0: In uh, many ways, the sermon today really ties into that uh, prayer for the uh, those that are suffering in the Ukraine because uh, today's sermon is grounded in the fact that God is a God of peace. And uh, today's sermon will focus on uh, the, the idea of God being a God of peace, and we've prayed for world peace, and then we want to apply it to our lives just in our own personal lives for for personal peace and either way the foundation is still the same that God in his core is a God of peace in fact God is so full of peace I put this out there is is kind of a, a thought that just to get our minds around God is so full of peace that he has never had an anxious thought God has never been worried about anything He's never fretted. He's never fussed. He's never wondered how this will turn out. Uh, God has never had an anxious thought. And if we are followers of Jesus, as his children, God also wants us to live anxiety-free lives. In Philippians 4.6, sa- it says, Do not be anxious about anything. It doesn't say, hey, don't, don't sweat the small stuff. He says, don't be anxious about anything. It's an all-encompassing. Don't be anxious. Now, that's an amazing thought, right? Because we live in such a crazy world that it's almost hard to get our minds around. How could we ever live lives with no anxiety? But that is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. That he does not want us to have worry, he does not have, want us to uh, fret or to or to have anxiety. Now, what would that even look like? And uh, and how would we develop lives like that? How is that even possible? Well, this is our text for this morning. Philippians four four through seven give us the vision and the instructions for what we will call an anxiety-free life, an anxiety-free life. And so I want to encourage you to open your Bibles to Philippians uh, chapter 4. As I said, we will be looking at verses 4 through 7. God's Word is amazing, that God gives us instruction to guide us in our lives, that God gives us uh, in his his word, he gives us vision for how he wants our lives to look like uh, if we are followers of Jesus. And these verses in Philippians 4 are quite remarkable. So let's take God at his word, even though it's hard for us to uh, even begin to get our minds around. We're going to get a vision this morning and get some application for our lives that is just so remarkable. Philippians 4, 4 through 7 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your evidence, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father God, we thank you that you are a God of peace. God, we thank you that it is your desire for this world and for our lives to be governed by peace. And God, we ask you now to come and to be our teacher, that you would uh, open up the these verses that we've just read, open them up uh, to our minds and to our hearts that we would be able to receive your truth for us. And we give you thanks even in advance for what you have for us today. That we thank you that uh, you are a good God who loves us so much. We thank you that you are here with us right now in, in our midst and that you're about to speak to us and we invite you to come and have your way among us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. With all the world worry in our world today, I recently read an article from someone who described the worry in her life in a, in a way that caught my attention and, uh, and, and stood out to me. She, she described the worry in her life as toilet water, OK? So let me quote her directly from the article. She says, my worry is like water in a toilet. I flush it down and it comes right back, filling the bowl to the level where it was before I pressed the handle. We can probably all kind of get uh, our minds around what she's saying. Uh, First of all, we don't want worry. It's gross. We don't want it in our lives. But doesn't it seem like as soon as we try to get rid of it, it just comes right back up? It's so hard to live and I, uh, the idea of an anxiety-free life. The Barna Group, uh, which does national surveys, reported that 60% of Americans say they live with regular anxiety in their lives. Now, I hear 60%, and that even that seems low. Because it seems like almost everyone I know lives with some sort of regular anxiety in their lives. Now, uh, before we dig into the, into the scriptures, I just want to highlight the fact that, you know, when we speak of anxiety, we can speak of anxiety as a mental health issue, and we can speak of anxiety as a spiritual issue, and, uh, and when we speak of anxiety as a mental health issue, that's, that's really different than what we're talking about this morning, where, when we speak of having a chemical imbalance in, in the brain, uh, What we're focusing on this morning is the spiritual side that touches on our faith in God in which the Bible categorizes as sin. And in this spiritual category, we have two contrasting states of being. On the one side, there is the idea of life full of anxiety and worry. And on uh, on, on the other side, we have a state of being of life full of joy and peace. In these verses, uh, both of these sides come out very clearly. In verse 4, Paul talks about, uh, Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. It's like he wants to make sure he gets our attention. Rejoice. And just to make sure you heard it, I'm going to say it again, rejoice. Paul says it twice to give emphasis to it. He wants us, God wants us to live lives of joy. It's one of the main themes that we've seen in the book of Philippians. Nineteen times does it mention the idea of joy or rejoicing. The emotion of the kingdom of God is joy. If we are followers of Christ, we ought to have joy in our lives. Now it's joy And then peace is mentioned in verse 7. Peace is described this way. The peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, God's peace is described here in ways that says you can't even get your mind around it. It transcends all understanding. You know, every once in a while you say it's like, mind-blowing. Like, that's the peace of God. It blows our mind. Someone could even say to us, how can you have peace when uh, in your life when there is so much difficulty and, and frustration around you? Well, we have peace when it comes from God. Worldly peace is based on circumstances. If things go well, we have peace. Godly peace does not depend on if everything is going well. It's grounded in something else. Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. The peace that Jesus gives is something different. There's a popular painting and you may have seen it. It's uh, called Peace in the Midst of the Storm. It's a painting uh, by an artist, uh, Jack Dawson. And uh, in this painting, there are dark clouds overhead—just these ominous dark clouds uh, on uh, in the horizon, up in the sky. And and we have a th- and and in the back, right down the center of the painting, there's this lightning bolt that goes all the way from the heavens down uh, to the earth. And uh, and it's pouring rain, and there's a torrent of water coming f- flowing down over the cliff. And it's just this huge storm. Everything's a mess. And yet, if you look really closely, right in the hidden in the cliff, is this tiny little bird that's sitting there in uh, in its nest. The painting is called "Peace in the Midst of the Storm." That little bird has peace because it's found refuge. It's safe. The storm is brewing all around it, and yet it's safe. And that's what it's like for us as Christians. When we speak of uh, the peace of God, we're not talking about not having anything uh, go badly in our, in our lives. We're not saying that uh, nothing will ever frustrate us or disappoint us. We're talking about a peace that is founded in our relationship with God. If we look carefully at this passage, both joy and peace have the same, uh, have the same focus on being in the lord verse 4 said rejoice in the lord and verse 7 it says this is a peace which will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus and verse uh, 5 says let your ev- your gentleness be evident to all the lord is near you see it is in the lord it is in Christ Jesus it's in god's nearness that the foundation for peace and joy is there that we can recognize and rely upon God and know that He is near us? Now, there's two things that if we are to have this peace and joy in our lives, that we must know and, and trust in the Lord about. Two things that will lay the foundation one is God's control, and two is God's character. To say that God is in control means that he is sovereign and that nothing happens outside of his sovereign will. That does not mean uh, that nothing happens in this world that is not opposed his moral will. That's a different thing than saying his sovereign will. His sovereign will means that his hand is over everything and that, uh, and that he is ultimately in control of this world psalm 115 4 says god is in his heavens and does whatever pleases him and job uh, 4 uh, 42 2 says i know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted I'm almost uh, tempted to jump ahead and to say, now we have to uh, see God's control in light of His character and His goodness. But let's just pause for a second just in in uh, resting in the idea of what does it mean that God is in control? Well, it means that God is in control even of what is happening in Ukraine right now. And it means that God is in control of what is going on in your life god is in control of your future god is in control of your family of your finances of your friendships of your food even of your faults and that's just the f's he's got all the other letters as well god's in control of everything and that is crucial for us to understand if we are to live anxiety-free lives, that God is in control. And then secondly, we have to know that not only is God in control, but we have to know His character. You see, if we believe in God's, it, the fact that God is sovereign and also that He is good... And that he is loving and merciful and kind and compassionate and holy and pure, and we could keep going on and on. But if we believe in his character and his sovereignty, then that gives us a firm foundation for, uh, for an anxiety-free life. I want to read a verse uh, from Lamentations 3:32 30, and 33 that speaks of God's character. Lamentations 3 says though he brings grief he will not he will show compassion so great is his unfailing love for he does not willingly bring affliction or grief to anyone See according to God's character he he does bring grief and affliction but it says he doesn't do it Willingly, in other words, it it doesn't come as easily or as naturally as it says his his unfailing love or his compassion. It says so great is his unfailing love. You see, there are times where God does bring grief and affliction. Now he he does it with a, a certain reservation, because it it's. it's it's not, as, it's not what his heart longs to do, but he does it only for our good. His deepest inclination, what he really longs for, is to give us his unfailing love. In fact, in some way, even the grief and affliction that he may bring into our lives is ultimately motivated by his unfailing love. So the best way to get our minds around it is to think of a good and godly parent, a good and godly parent uh, realizes that they can't be like what we call helicopter parents, right? They just hover over their kids, never letting any harm come into their life. In fact, uh, a good and godly parent will sometimes discipline their kids. They, they, will, they, will, uh, they will discipline their kids in, in a sense that they, they bring sadness or, or, uh, or pain to their ch- children for their own good but a good and godly parent oftentimes uh, disciplines with tears running down his or her own cheek because it's not their it's not their natural inclination i mean they know they have to do it but they do it out of love the deepest desire they have is to show kindness and compassion it's all part of their it is all a part of their unfailing love. And that's a picture of God towards us. When we think of the world around us, it is hard for us to understand sometimes how grief and affliction and these things can be for our good. This is where we have to just throw ourselves on the mercy of God and say, God, we trust in you. We trust that you are in control and we trust in your character, your unfailing love, even when we don't understand it. Even when it doesn't always make sense, we know that your greatest attribute is your unfailing love. When Jesus taught us about worry in the Sermon on the Mount, he grounded his teaching in the knowing and trusting of God in, in God as well. And I'm going to read uh, Matthew 6:30 30 through 33, and this comes from the message, which is a paraphrase of the Bible. Uh, but it's just as clear in any other translation, but I just like the way this words it It says if god gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers Most of which are never even seen have you ever thought about that? All these wildflowers that are up in the mountains of alaska or montana never even seen But god is mindful of them. God knows and has made them beautiful uh most of these wildflowers, which are never even seen, don't you think that he'll attend to you, take pride in you, and do what is best for you? What I'm trying to do here is to, uh, to get you to relax. To not be so preoccupied with getting so that you cannot respond to God's giving. And here's, here's the uh, two sentences I really want to emphasize here. People who don't know God... And the way he works, fuss over, such, over these things. But you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. You see, the key to an anxiety-free life is to steep ourselves in God. To be mindful of God's reality, God's initiatives, God's provisions. And when we truly know God, then... Worry kind of falls by the wayside. I recently uh, saw an interview with Cooper Cup, who is a receiver for your L.A. Rams Super Bowl champions. Right? That sounds good. Super Bowl champions, Cooper Cup. I think he was the MVP of the game, wasn't he? Dee uh, Dee uh, affirms that he was. And uh, so I thought this quote was so good. I'm just going to read. Uh, Cooper Cup said. Uh, and, and Cooper Cup is obviously a believer, as you'll get uh, here in this quote. He says, uh, he's talking about his, his relationship with God, and he says, the ends will take care of themselves. We get to be in a place where we play from victory, not for victory. That's a very freeing thing. And this is true for all of us as Christians. We get to live our lives from victory not for victory in other words we don't have to control the outcome because jesus has already taken care of it all we we live from victory and that gives us a, a, a very as he says here a freeing feeling that when we think of the of how much we long for our kids to uh, to raise them in the right ways we ultimately don't control the outcome we seek to entrust them to the Lord. When we think of our work or our finances, uh, we, don't, we can't control whether we get the promotion or not, or, what, or how much is in the savings account, but we live from a place of victory because our, relation, because our life is grounded in Jesus Christ. Even when we think of the salvation of our loved ones, we ultimately rest in the fact that God is in control and so first peter 5 7 says cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you so just to go back to the philippians 4 passage now i see it kind of like a hamburger okay <laughs> you got uh the top bun is joy and the bottom bun is peace but the meat right in the middle is verse 6 this is the, this is the uh, meaty part that we have to hang on to. Verse 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. The, the, the driving uh, point here, the, the key phrase, do not be anxious, is a command. It's in the imperative in Greek. And the Greek word that is used here for anxious means to be troubled with care. And I highlight that even though that seems like a very uh, simple definition because Jesus is not telling us or God is not telling us to not care. He's telling us to not be troubled by care. And I just want to emphasize, like, there are so many things in this world that we care about. And I almost guarantee you that God cares about it more than you do. You see, our care has been tainted by sin. We don't care enough. We don't, it's not that we care too much. Our problem is usually that we don't care enough. That God cares about what is going on all around the world. God cares more than we do for sure about thousands of families that have, been, uh, that have fled their homes. And as much as you love your family, God loves your family more than you do. And, uh, and as much as we feel the weightiness of the lost around us that are dying and going to hell, God cares far more. You see this verse when it says, do not be anxious, it's not teaching us to be apathetic or not to care. What it's teaching us is uh, to not be troubled by that care. Now, as I've wrestled with this passage, uh, I've tried to think, when we think of our ultimate example of Jesus himself, uh, was Jesus ever anxious? Anxious? Think of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane on the night he was betrayed. What if Paul would have come and the sweat comes down uh, Jesus' forehead like drops of blood, and Paul puts his hand on Jesus' shoulders? You not be anxious about anything. Come on, Jesus, snap out of it. Don't be anxious about anything. You think of, "Come on, Paul, relax." Uh, He's got a lot going on here. Let him have a little anxiety. It seems kind of rude and inappropriate. Uh, but I'll just challenge us, as we, if we go back to that uh, specific example from Jesus' life, if we look carefully at the text, it actually never says that Jesus was anxious. This is what it says, and I'll make a couple observations. But, Uh, luke 22 41 through 44 he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them knelt down and prayed father if you are willing take this cup from me yet not my will but yours be done an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him and being in anguish that's the emotion that's given to jesus and being in anguish he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. I want to wrestle with what's going on in Jesus's life and in his heart here uh, in this example of the Garden of Gethsemane. But first of all, I'll just make a couple observations. We see several things that we've already talked about from Philippians 4. One, we've seen that the Lord is near him. Philippians 4 says, let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near we see that an angel of the lord comes and ministers to him second of all we see that he's praying do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to the lord he's praying to god he's presenting his request to the lord and the third thing we would see is that he trusts in his heavenly father he says not my will but yours be done i think that's a statement of trust God, you're in control. I believe in you uh, as as my Father, that you are good in all your ways, and so may your will be done. Now, as we said, the passage does say that he is in anguish, but I think that that can be pointed to the fact that he feels the weightiness of the situation more than we can say he had anxiety. He feels that the difficulty that is uh, before him is causing him great anguish. In fact, he even prays, God, if there's any other way for me, uh, uh, may you take this cup from me. He's not looking forward to going to the cross, but I do not think he is anxious because his confidence in God and God's ways never wavers. In fact, what I see in his prayer is, When you look at this uh, prayer, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. I think there is something of peace and calm even in the prayer. That even though he feels the weightiness of it all, he still has a certain underlying peace that resides in in his heart. And that's what moves him to not run from the situation, but actually to run to God and to pray. And this is where we have to uh, land the, the sermon because our response to all of the things that are going on in our lives must be prayer. To in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Whenever you feel the weightiness of what is going on in your life or what is going on around the world or a difficulty in a relationship it is an invitation to pray it's not an invitation to worry it's an invitation to pray but worry and prayer don't go together if you're going to pray you don't worry and if you're going to worry then don't bother praying because you haven't really turned it over to the lord anyway a prayer uh, when we pray we go before god and we hand over our concerns to him and we say here you go god you're in control i relinquish control of these things in my life and in prayer we ground ourselves in the character of god as we pray we are reminded that god is good in all he's in all he does that he is full of love mercy compassion and kindness and paul says we even pray with thanksgiving In other words, our confidence in God is so great that we give thanks before he changes the circumstances. How often do we pray like that? God, uh, we, we love to pray for God. Change this, change that, reconcile this, take care of this. But could we pray with such confidence that we would give thanks to God even before it's done? Prayer of thanksgiving is a prayer of faith now i love this vision of an anxiety-free life but i know myself that this is a challenge you know i know that uh even in my own life there uh, there regularly it stirs up uh feelings of anxiety and so even as i'm preaching this i'm learning lessons in my own life and i've and I have been trying to apply these things that when anxiety rises up to even take a deep breath and, uh, and take a five-second count and on each beat of the second to use it as an opportunity to pray the character of God. So as I uh, take a breath to say, God, you love me. 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 Breathe out. God, you're in control of all things. God, please be merciful. God, thank you for your uh, compassion. Thank you for your kindness. To use all of these opportunities when difficulties come into our lives as an opportunity to cast our cares upon God. And so that's what our challenge is today. To turn over our anxieties to God if we were all to just take a moment, I am sure that there are things that weigh heavy on our hearts, troubles and concerns that we have. And what would it look like to truly give them to God, to trust in the control of God, to trust in the character of God, to not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving to present our requests to God. In fact, I think that's such a powerful idea. I'd love to give us a few minutes before I close in prayer to actually uh, give us a moment of silence to spend a, a minute in prayer giving God the concerns that are on our hearts. And so I'll just invite you all, let's, let's uh, bow our head and close our eyes. And, uh, and this is an opportunity to Give God the concerns that we have, personal concerns, situational, relational things uh, in the in the world, to cast our anxieties on him, to cast our cares on him, and because we know that he cares for us. And then to take one more step and to pray with thanksgiving. To thank God that he, it, it is in his hands and we trust him to do what he knows best. Let's take a minute and pray. God, for each person that is in this room right now, I want to lift up, uh, we, we collectively lift up these concerns to you. God, we lift up our families. We lift up our loved ones. We lift up those who do not know you, that we would love to have that assurance of salvation in their lives. We lift up vocational concerns. We lift up financial concerns. We lift up uh, worldwide concerns. And God, right now, we lay them at your feet with no intention of picking that burden back up. We're going to continue to pray about these things, but God, they are in your hands. And God, right now, as followers of yours as children of yours we relinquish the control and ask that you would have control and god rather than trying to do what we think to be the good thing and the right thing we ask we trust in your goodness and your holiness we pray that your will would be done as jesus prayed not our will but your will be done we pray this all in Jesus name. Amen. I'm going to ask the prayer counselors to uh, come to the front of the sanctuary and uh, as they do the worship team can as well and uh, we have prayer counselors in uh, at the front of the sanctuary every week because there is a blessing of being able to pray with another believer and uh, God's word is clear where two or three gather together in his name he is there uh, with them And we've all lifted up concerns uh, to God this morning. And God hears the prayers in our hearts, every one of us individually. But you know what? There's something special about having someone to pray about those things in your life as well. And so I'm going to really encourage you. This is an opportunity. It's a blessing to be able to come and just speak a request and to say, God, uh, would you pray to God on my behalf for this and that pleases the Lord we are called to be his family brothers and sisters together Uh, God is the one that carries our burdens but he's given us a family to share uh, the burdens with and so I'll encourage you to uh, come and to receive prayer this morning but let's all stand now as we sing this last song and use it as an opportunity to give praise and glory to God